The Latter-day Lives podcast is not owned or operated by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Any opinions expressed or implied in this recording are solely those of the host and guests and not of any specific organization, unless otherwise stated. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode number 72 of the Latter-day Lives podcast, my name is Sean Rapier. I'm your host, and so glad that you're with us again this week for this episode. Now, if you are watching this, we do uh, the video on YouTube as well as on our Facebook page. You'll notice this is not our studio. In fact, it may even sound a bit different because I have my portable traveling microphone. I don't have our nice camera. I am in Boston right now recording this from my hotel room. The last couple of weeks, I have been nonstop on the road, but super glad with technology. We have, uh, I can still record all of this, but the interview was done in the studio. And my guest this week in the conversation, Jeanette Bennett, is just one of the most impressive people you'll ever meet. Uh, she has this uh, incredible company that she runs, and her life is fantastic, and you are going to love her story. She's one of those people who, like three minutes after I started talking to her, I felt like we were old friends. We have a lot of mutual uh, friends in common, and I understand why. She's just one of those people, so easy to talk to. I really enjoyed it. And thank you to my dear friend, Jason Bringers, for connecting me with uh, Jeanette, so we were able to talk. And this week in my Latter-day life, I'll tell you why uh, I am almost nervous now to go to gas stations. That is all coming up. Uh, before we jump into this week's conversation, I do want to remind you, we do have a little bit of a Christmas vacation coming up. So we will have an episode next week, and then we're going to take uh, three weeks off. So uh, Christmas, New Year, and the first week of New Year, I've got a lot coming up, a lot of travel. You have a lot to do and uh, probably won't have a lot of time for podcasts. Anyway, we'll take a quick break and then we'll be right back to it. Okay, enough of all of that. Uh, let's get on to this week's conversation. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's conversation with Jeanette Bennett. And my guest today on the Latter-day Lives podcast here in studio. Right here. Live. Right here live. We've got someone who has built a business empire. I'm going to say icon in the business world wow, here in and Utah. Like, downgrade that. Just no, iconic <laughs> here in the business world. Jeanette oh, Bennett, welcome to the Latter-day Lives podcast. Thanks. I'm so to be glad here. to have you on. You are a very well-known personality. You might oh, be connected to kind. more people than anybody else in Utah. Well, once you get, I'm 44. Once you get to this age, you've just met a lot of people. I'm you know? I'm right there with you. I'm yeah. 46, and yeah, you start to feel like you have met a lot of people. But mm -hmm. you specifically, you're you're what they call a connector. You are like you are good at connecting people because I, like I think you know almost everyone I know. So I we do have a lot of friends in common, yeah. which is really fun. Yeah. yeah. So it's been it's been fun. I've written about a lot of them and worked with them in other business capacities. So that's yeah. been that's my favorite part. Well, we're going to talk a lot about your business life and kind of all the amazing impact that you have. Uh, but before that, let's go back a little bit. Let's okay. learn a little bit about you. Where Sounds are you good. from? And Where'd you grow up? I grew up just outside Idaho Falls, mm. called Ammon, Idaho. Yeah. And uh, my dad's a school teacher. So my parents are from California. They came okay. to BYU. 
got married, had their first baby in Provo, like many Mormon families do. Yeah, classic story. Classic, classic. And then they were expecting their second child, me, moved to Idaho so he could take his first teaching job, my dad. And uh, they stayed. They're still there. They're still there in Ammon, Idaho. They are Idahoans at this point. Yeah, they are. So all of us, there's seven kids. I'm the second of seven. Wow. Six girls and one boy. Six girls yeah. and a boy. Yeah. So I have five sisters. It's so awesome. was the older a sister or was that the brother? No, that's a girl. So it has. there's five girls in a row. Then there's a little bit of a gap. Then there's a brother. And then they wanted another brother. So then they had another sister. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so he had he had a lot of moms. So yeah. what's what's your brother's take on all this? So uh, I think uh, <laughs> I think we smothered him. We had yeah. a lot of opinions about what pajamas he wore and yeah. what he did and how he combed his hair and... Is he married? He's married. Yes. I could imagine his dating with uh-huh. six sisters uh-huh. was a whole lot of advice. And his and his poor <laughs> wife when she came into this sorority. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. I don't know that I've heard of that. We actually we have one neighbor who has uh, six daughters. Only daughters. Wow. Never mm-hmm. never a son. Mm-hmm. That is so awesome. So you grew up in Idaho. Mm-hmm. And Do you so, consider yourself more of an Idahoan or a Utah at this oh, point? Oh, um, Utah's definitely home, but I yeah. am proud of my roots. In fact, one of my favorite pictures, I was at the state line a couple years ago, and there was this old pioneer structure, and it had Idaho carved on one side and Utah on the other, and I took my picture. They're like, this is, this is me. This That's is you. like my spot, you know, <laughs> my two states. Uh, I still get excited when I see an Idaho license plate. Like, my heart skips a beat, yeah. and I think I'm going to know them. You know, because yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm from Idaho. Oh, yeah, don't know you. People actually do think that about Utah, though, I because I travel all over the country for my job, and I'll be in Boston, and I'll say I'm from Utah. Oh, do you know Dave Smith? Uh, <laughs> Funny enough, I I know five. Don't. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Every once in a while, though, I will go, actually, I do know that I know, person, it is which crazy is funny. how small yeah. can be. So what were you like as a teenager? What were you into? I would say uh, I was quiet. I think my classmates would describe me as smart and quiet. Smart and quiet. Uh huh. Huh. So I was a good student. You know, I was in kind of the accelerated programs that they had. Did you like school? I loved school. So my wow. older sister. She's That's always a, amazing to me, by the way. She's a grade older than I am. And she, so she started kindergarten and she would come home after her half day kindergarten and make me sit down and she would teach me everything that she learned. No kidding. So she taught me how to read. She taught me, I mean, I had no choice. I was her student <laughs> and she played school. And as we grew up, she'd continue to play school. I'd play journalist. Like I would do a newsletter for her school pretend school no kidding and she's a teacher she's been a she's a fifth grade teacher and has been teaching for whatever it is How 25 fun. years or something so at some point the love of business kicks in here because you're associated with business yes. so i'm assuming there must be a passion for it Okay, so that was a surprise to me. And and here's mm. how that kind of came along. So I went to college, studied journalism. That was Where'd you my, go to school? my love. So I went to Rick's first, Rick's College yeah. in Rexburg, and I came to BYU and finished my bachelor's and my master's in Provo. We're showing our age that we're talking about Rick's. Rick's College, Rick's, I know. Yeah. Rick's, without an apostrophe. Yes. There's no Rick's. Rick's. There's just... That's right. It wasn't that Rick owned the college. No, yeah. My no. brother went to Rick's, sure. So, you know, and, and I was not going to go there because I'm from Idaho. I was going to go to BYU as a freshman. I actually had a full ride scholarship mm. and it was, it was my first experience making a decision through prayer and through feeling guided. Wow. And it was not what I wanted because mm. I wanted to come to Provo and was feeling prideful and proud of myself that I'd gotten the scholarship, but it was very, very clear yeah. that I was actually supposed to go 
to Rick's. Those are the tough ones, right? And it was tough and it was tearful and I dragged my feet and I'd paid for my housing in Provo. Anyway, but uh, I finally just was like, I can't deny it. I'm supposed to go there and I can trace so many good things to that decision. Of course, of course. And so I went there, went to BYU, did a, a minor in business while I was majoring in journalism. And I only did that because I wanted to write about business. I thought maybe I'll work for Inc. Yeah. Magazine or sure. Forbes or Fortune or something. But it was when I became a mom. So my oldest just turned 21. So when I became a mom, like my world's collided. I was working at the Deseret News at a job I loved had almost finished my master's. I just had to defend my thesis. And yet I had this baby and mm. I loved him and I wanted to be this great mom. And it yeah. was at that point that I decided to be an entrepreneur. That's when it happened. And it didn't happen a, a moment before then. <laughs> it was so you so. could kind of have it all. That was the idea. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. That was the dream. I think dream. That there's, I think, I hope that, I think and hope we're in a time right now where there's less choosing that needs to happen. The new economy is really exciting, right? No, it really like is. Like it used to be, I can work part-time, I can work mm -hmm. full-time, or I can stay at home, period. Right, three options. And now the new mm -hmm. economy kind of has changed things up. Going back mm -hmm. to your journalism degree, mm -hmm. did you always want to do print? Did you ever think about doing radio or television? So in high school, I worked at the TV station in Idaho mm -hmm. Falls. Yeah. And so we're talking very small TV station, but they let me run the cameras. I was the person in charge of the, I was the floor director, they would say, inside the studio. Awesome. And I really did love it. I loved the excitement of it, like 30 seconds till we go on. Yeah. And it, there was like a rush. And, um, and so I did think about it. Although I will say that the people in front of the camera that were pursuing that career, None of them had the life that I really wanted for myself. Interesting. The hours were hard. They were moving around the country for low wages. None of them seemed super happy. I don't know. I just didn't see, I didn't have a mentor or an example that I worked with at that TV station anyway, that I was like, that's the life for me. It looked hard. And most of them were choosing not to have children because it's hard to be on camera and have children anyway. So that, uh, that persuaded me to go. It's impressive that you knew that at such a young age. You know, I, I mean, I was a, at one point, a full-time aspiring comic. Mm -hmm. And I saw the same thing. Yeah. You know, all the comedians were divorced. They were miserable. They were whatever. Mm -hmm. But I didn't really catch the vision of, oh, maybe I don't want that until I got yeah. married. It was years later that I went, oh, yeah, that's not really a great life. Right. So it's interesting you got that early on. Yeah, so, that steered, so. so that steered you toward print. It steered me toward print. I like words. Yeah. I, I really, I like to read and I like to write. And, uh, and so when I went to Rexburg, I was the editor of the paper and, and had a lot of great experiences with that. Came to BYU Provo and was the editor of the universe, the best title I've ever had. You were the editor. <laughs> Of the universe. <laughs> I'm the editor of the universe, the daily universe at uh, yeah, BYU. It just How doesn't awesome. get better than that. Yeah. Wow. Editor of the universe. Pretty good title. So um, what was your first job out of college? So let's see. I did three internships when I was in college. Um, one was technical writing for the government. That was the end of that path. I did not like it. I can't. You know, I know guys who are technical writers who write like manuals mm -hmm. and stuff. That's a special talent. <laughs> I mean, wow. Yeah, you have to like boring things. And yeah, and yet they're the funniest, like most talented guys, but then they write these technical things. Yeah. That wasn't for me. I, I honestly was just bored. Like the I clock never moved slower. Government for me. too. Yeah. Oh. So that wasn't for me. And then I worked at the New Era. I did an internship there. And then I continued to do special projects for him for a few years. And then I did an internship at the Deseret News. Hmm. And that's when I graduated. That's where I went full time was at the Deseret News as a copy editor. 
So before we get into Deseret News, because I want to hear more about that, working at the New Era, uh-huh. I've never met anybody who works for the New or well, who has worked staff, for the New Era. So there's very few people, yeah. and and some of them had been there for thirty years, you know. So there's no turnover, very little turnover. Yeah. And again, um, because I'm older than you, I can I can comment barely. on age, <laughs> but but I'm older, but I can comment on age. I mean, this is back when the New Era was. You're checking the mailbox every day because no internet. Oh, no. You know, I mean, there's nowhere else to go. And Mm -hmm. so the new era, you know, it's cover to cover. I got to, I got to read it all. What did you, did you, were you able to write your own articles or were you just shadowing? What were you doing? No, I did. I got to write a few articles. I came at it from a uh, site. I'd been working at newspapers, college newspapers. And so I came at it from like, I could write these 10 stories by tomorrow morning. You know, I was into the quickness. Yeah. And that was my first lesson there. So I met with the editor the first day, and or maybe it was the second day, you know, when I'm like, I have these ideas. And he's kind of like, okay, let's calm down. <laughs> <laughs> How about if you have take on I this story and it's due in a month? And I'm like, a month? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> the, the pace was was much slower there. Yeah, things go once th- a month. It is. Magazine. It's a monthly magazine. And a lot of the articles at that time and, and still are from general authorities or from readers that submit articles. Sure. Yeah. And so the actual people who work there, they do only write maybe one, you know, per issue. And so um, I had to get used to that pace. Yeah. And things go through a lot of rev- reviews. And so one of the things that I wrote went through like eight reviews and on the ninth, it got cut, you know? Wow. And so that was that was sad. That was a lesson I learned, you know? But, I gotta um, say, New Era has great articles, but New Era also, the photographers for New Era, the cover of the New Era, I always look to see the cover because right. they always have fascinating covers. I know, they do a good job. Like they're intriguing, like it, it hooks you, so. Yeah, they do a great job. Yeah, one of the things I got to do as an intern is I was a hand model. They had me, uh, <laughs> it was dirt, it was a story about seeds, you know, yeah. one of those analogies. And so I got to have dirt in this shovel and for a half day, we're taking photos of my hands with dirt. Do you still have <laughs> little that? little claim to fame. Oh, it's in a box somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. That's so <laughs> I, fun. I haven't thought about that in a long time. I did love that job, but I did. So I went into it thinking this is my dream job. Yeah. And it's my dream internship and I'm going to do an awesome job because I want to this to be my career. And at the end of it, I was less sure, be, I think because of the pace. It was a mm-hmm. little, um, it was a, it was a little slow for me. And I think it's because I do have this entrepreneurial side of me. Right. And I like to Gotta think move. about possibilities and new ideas. And, um, and the church magazines are part of a larger strategy and, and you fit into that. And yeah. so it was an awesome experience. I got to fly to Oregon. I did an article on a ward there that was doing a service project. So How cool. So that was fun. And they had me speak at a fireside when I was there. And so, it, you know, I, I feel like I got a really great experience. And then for a few years, I judged their writing contest. Oh, neat. So that kept me connected yeah. to them. And uh, I then, still am friends with my coworkers from that yeah. time. Mm-hmm. But then it was on to the Deseret News. What did you do at the Deseret News? So at the Deseret News, I was a copy editor, which meant that I edited what the reporters would write for, of course, you know, typos, but also just clarity and um, strengthening the, the language. And then we would write the headlines. And then we would proof, especially the front page went through special processes and things. And so... I learned a lot. I think that's where some of my love of wordplay came in. Yeah. Because when you're writing a headline, you know, you only have so many <laughs> characters. And you're like, I want to say this in the coolest way possible. And it was a fun culture at that time. So I worked there 96 to 97. 
And, um, and so it was a bustling business. We built the high rise. We, and you know, yeah. me personally, you were the out rise. there I yeah. through a hammer, welding. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and so it was exciting and we had, they would give awards for best headline of the week and it was a fun place to be. Yeah. And, um, I really, really loved it. I think that helped strengthen my writing by being an editor, but I did miss being a creator. You know, I wasn't writing right. anything except headlines. You're polishing it all. Polishing it all, yeah. which was really good experience, and um, and I sure. really did love it. But I don't think, and I ended up, I worked there until right before I had my oldest. Like I literally like went into labor at work. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, wasn't sure if I'd come back, and I didn't end up going back. Um, but I'm not sure that that was the. 30-year career path for me right? to polish other people's writing, even though I, yeah. I really did love sure. it. And I'm still, I will always take the Deseret News. I'm like a loyal person, you know? Yeah. I love Deseret News. Do you like News. print? Like, do you oh, like, yeah. do you like feeling the paper? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. My dad, my dad gets the newspaper every day and mm. there's something about, for him, you know, that, that feeling of the paper, mm-hmm. you know? Um, Even that, the sound of it, turning the page, the sound and the smell of it. Yeah. Like yeah. all the senses. <laughs> all that stuff. And then washing your hands to get the print off. <laughs> well, there is that. Yeah. Um, no, that's cool. So a question about the Deseret News, because for we have a lot of listeners all over the country as well as in other countries. Mm-hmm. So there, there are kind of two, I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, but two major papers for, the, for uh, Utah, mm-hmm. Deseret News being one of them. Deseret mm-hmm. News is in some form owned by the church. Right. Um, did you ever feel... Did you ever have like a moment where you were like, I don't know if we can publish this or I don't know, or were you not involved in that kind of stuff? I mean, I wasn't a huge decision maker there, but there was definitely, it was the culture. I, I think the reporters, we we knew the tone yeah. that our readers wanted. It wasn't even just what does the boss want? It was the readers. The readers mm. want to read um, positive things. I mean, they want to read the truth, but they don't want to read sarcasm or sensationalism just for the sake of right. sake of it right you know yeah and so i think that was just the culture there we we knew what our readers expected the positive of us experience. And because there are two papers i think our paper could have its personality and the tribune could have its yeah and i actually like reading both back then i did and still today yeah sometimes i'll read both papers take on the same thing right i, think I, I do too so yeah. i do too and sometimes what's funny is being a member of the church and being maybe a little bit more aligned with some of the personality of the Deseret News. Mm-hmm. It's funny to see the two headlines on the same issue. Right. And you'd think that they were two completely different issues. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know. How can these two papers see it so differently? But it's one of the things I love. It's mm-hmm. one of the things I love about Utah. Mm-hmm. You know, I've grown to, I'm, I'm a transplant also. Yeah. So it's one of the things I've grown to love. Mm-hmm. You ended up leaving the Deseret News, not sure if you were coming back. Right. So you had gotten married at... So I got married at BYU um, in 1995. I had a semester left for my bachelor's when I got married. And then my husband was still in school. He ended up graduating journalism as well, but he was a little bit behind me because of his mission. And so while he was finishing up, I'm like, I might as well do a master's. I'm here. We're used to living on nothing. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) And so I just kept on going. And then he finished his bachelor's and I finished my master's about the same time. Wow, that's awesome. And so, and I'm really glad I did it because yeah. that was my window of time. And yeah. I was in school mode and I knew all the professors at that point. It would have been fun to go to a different school and have a different perspective, but that was like my opportunity. And so yeah. I took awesome. it. Awesome. Yeah. You leave Deseret News, you have your first yeah. son. Yeah. You have a son. How many kids do you have? So I have five. Five kids. Mm-hmm. Two yeah. boys, three girls. 
Yep. And so he was born and um, it turned my world upside down in a good way. You know, I was, I was never that uh, 12 year old girl that loved babysitting. Like I, I wanted Mm. to, I wanted a job, (laughs) you know, I want to, I want to be in an office. I want to be on a computer. I want to be in the newsroom, you know? And because I had all those sisters, people would call up and be like, I need a babysitter. Can one of you do it? Well, and my other sisters all wanted to. So I was like, you guys do it. You guys have at it. <laughs> you guys do it. Not my This world. person over here wants me to take phone calls for So I'll do that. You guys yeah. babysit. So I wasn't sure how motherhood would fit Interesting. Me, you know, but then it, I just loved him so much from moment number one. And it's been a spiritual journey to figure out how to have, you know, when to have kids and yeah. how many to have. And I feel like my father's been generous in helping me figure that out. I think he knew that would be a hard thing for me to figure out. Gosh, you don't hear that word enough when talking about Heavenly Father, generous. Mm. What a great word you just mm. used. You are good with words. Oh, well, thank um, you. <laughs> and I just used the most boring sentence to describe it. You good words. You good words. You do good words. <laughs> no, generous. I think that's a great way to look mm. at it because sometimes we don't we don't think of it in that way. Think of it more black and white. Did I get an answer or not? Right. But sometimes there's such an abundance of guidance the mm-hmm. generous is a great description and, and i don't know if i would say that on every topic in my life i think he's made me work for other things sure. or figure some things out on my own but on the topic of children he has been generous that is the oh, right word that. of love helping it. me figure it out and filling me with the desire for it you know when i because like i was saying i wasn't sure how i was going to do you know and i i thought you know if i never get married i'll be fine i'll work in a high rise in new york and i'll just yeah. be a career person but then um you know, it's been so, so awesome to be a mom and all those things that I've learned I wouldn't yeah. have learned. So. so you've you've got this mom, being a mom, full-time gig. Uh, when did you go back into work? What took you back in? Okay, so he was born and I stayed home. You know, so I told the Deseret News, I'm not coming back. But immediately, for financial reasons and for mental reasons, I was like, I got to do something. Yeah. You know, this <laughs> sure. is, he, he was my best baby of the five as far as like crying. He was just this sweet little guy who slept on schedule and everything. And I'm like, and I was used to a busy lifestyle. So I was thinking, sure. okay, I have, I have brain power and I actually do have time. Like, yeah. What could I do? And so that started the series of, okay, I think I should start something. I should create something, create yeah. my own. And so uh, pretty soon after he was born, started brainstorming, started working towards that. I sent out a letter to about 25 business people I knew saying, and that's when I, when I started my company name, Bennett Communications. It wasn't registered with the state or anything. It was just this idea in my head. But I sent out this letter. I now own Bennett Communications and I do editing and I do projects. And from that, I got three phone calls, small projects, but I did three little things, you know, that uh, people hired me for, little copywriting and design projects. And then from there, um, decided to start this national newsletter for high school journalism advisors. It's an extremely tiny niche. But uh, my father-in-law had been a high school journalism advisor, and he had some ideas of what might work. And my husband, who had graduated in journalism and, and had a magazine job at that time, he had some things. And so I was running it. I was One of my highlights of the day was going to the mailbox to see who had subscribed to this newsletter. <laughs> and honestly, it was thrilling. Like I, I, yeah. This is where I got bit by the bug. So it was, it was a physical newsletter that oh, you yeah. mailed out. Uh-huh. Yep. Hand stuffed in the envelope. For high school journalism advisors. <laughs> advisors. Right. 
Because a lot of times, like, they, they tell the coach, hey, you're a coach. Can you advise the newspaper? And they have no idea what they're doing. I cannot imagine a more niche. Like, <laughs> that is a rabbit hole that I absolutely love oh, yeah. that exists. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know? And so we got that first year, we got 650 subscribers which we were thrilled about. Yeah, you thought I'm on top of the world. Oh, I'm I'm just loving life, you know. Yeah. And I would do the math every day. That's not enough to live on, by the way. That that but it was it was a cool experience for me. It was a good secondary income, and I learned sales tax. I learned how to use the bulk mail unit at the local post office. Sure. I did open a business account register with the state, which I hadn't actually done when eventually I eventually Bennett Communications <laughs> became legitimate. Eventually, it became a legal <laughs> entity. Um, I opened the, the bank accounts. You know, all those things I learned on that small scale. And then it was two years later when we started Utah Valley Magazine. So I had kind of that two-year ramp up of figuring out a lot of things, yeah, including how to manage my time as a mom and a, an entrepreneur. What year did Utah Valley Magazine start? 2000. Has it really been? Mm-hmm. Wow. So it's been 18 and a half years. That is amazing. Since we started. So I was 25 when the first issue came out. And um, we sold our home. So we had, we had uh, moved to Idaho and we had built a home, like literally done a lot yeah. of the work. Um, my husband, my dad, myself. And we sold that home and moved back to Utah. And the equity from that first home paid to print the first issue. We moved into an apartment. I had two babies by this point. I had, a, I had Nathan, my first, who was now two and a half. And I had a newborn when we started the magazine. Did you, did you move back to do the magazine? Yeah. You mm-hmm. moved back saying Utah Valley needs a magazine. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> I, yeah, sometimes I look back and, you know, I mean, we did, I've, we talked about this a little bit before. I, I did several startups when I was in my 20s mm-hmm. that I look back now and I go, no, not a chance. I would not, <laughs> as a no, responsible 46-year-old adult, I would not do that. But in my 20s, I went, heck yeah, let's just start it up. I mean, you know, our mutual friend, Jason Bringers, connected us. Right. And Jason and I started a company. We just went, you know, this was in 2001. Mm-hmm. Same time, we just went... Yeah, what the heck? Let's what try heck? it. What What is there to lose? You know. Yeah. The two riskiest things that we did, starting that high school um, newsletter, which we put 5000 on a credit card to print and mail the samples. Wow. And But we that this is the cool thing, is we had enough orders in before that credit card was due. I never paid a dime of interest on How that. How amazing. So that was a huge blessing. I feel I feel like this was the right path, and so we just kept walking down it. And there were people at the time, including perhaps my parents, who were like concerned <laughs> about what we were doing. And I'm like, how can you be concerned? Of course this is going to work. But see, the 44-year-old version of me yeah. now looks back and goes, yeah, that was crazy. Yeah, that was crazy. That was a risky move there. But Utah Valley <laughs> Magazine, which if you don't live in Utah or Utah County or whatever, you you can't overstate now what it's become. I mean, you cannot go anywhere without finding it, including in our home, but mm-hmm. also, you know, go into whatever you go to your mechanic and there it is. And you go into your like dentist and there mm-hmm. it is everywhere. Like it's, it's such an iconic magazine getting the first episode or the first episode, the first issue out. What were some of the, what were some of the hurdles you had not expected to, yeah. to, be able to get Utah Valley magazine out? So there were definitely many, uh, the main two were trying to get that first cover story going because I called every famous Mormon you could think of for that first issue. Yeah. They don't want to be in a new magazine they've never yeah. heard of. They don't know me, you know, so 
I no get Steve that. Young, no Osmonds, <laughs> no no Stephen Covey. All the people that I tried and never really got a hold of them, but like through their people or whatever would get turned down. Um, they'd never heard of us. People were confused at first. Utah Valley Magazine is that part of Utah Valley State College at yeah. the time. So there was confusion. So uh, Karen Ashton, who started the Thanksgiving Point Gardens, right. who ended up being our first cover, her husband, Alan, and anyway, was a word perfect the word perfect founder. The Ashton founder. family. Yes. Yep. So she was on our first cover, and uh, it and that worked out well. So, but that was that was hard at first to get people to give us interviews and work with us young people. And uh, the other thing is the financial part of it. Yeah. Because people, we were asking people to buy ad space in something they didn't know. They don't know if it's on nice paper. They don't know what kind of tone right. it has. Are What's really, the readership going to yeah, be? You say you're going to send it out, but are yeah. you? Do you really have it on newsstands? Sure. <laughs> and so that was a pretty big hurdle. And um, and we weren't going to take a huge risk. We, we knew what the first um, magazine was going to cost to mail and print. And I only wanted to do it if we sold enough ads to pay that bill, to pay those two yeah. major bills, printing and postage. Well, we did. We sold enough to pay those two things and so and and make $2,000. So I thought, we're rich. Awesome. We're, but the thing is, people don't pay their right. bills. We didn't end up collecting all that money because- Yeah, anyway. because there are people who don't don't pay for it. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, they didn't pay in advance. Yeah, they went out of business or whatever. Right, of so. course. Did <laughs> yeah. Who was out doing the selling of the ad space? Uh, so early on, uh, my husband's brother and his wife, that brother's wife, were selling our ads. And so they were working mm. out of their home. We were working out of our home. And uh, we didn't get an office or a, an employee for two years. Unbelievable. So, That's awesome. Yeah. When did you finally, like recognize, okay, we're not a startup anymore. This is something that's concrete. This is legitimate. Mm. This is really, mm-hmm. you know, there's there's always a point in a business where it takes on its own life where you right. go, okay, even if I take my foot off the gas, this car mm-hmm. is going to keep moving. Mm-hmm. There were a few milestones like that. So the first few years, I felt like most phone calls I made was, hi, this is Jeanette with Utah Valley Magazine. Are you familiar? Oh, you're not. Okay, it's Let a magazine you, <laughs> that comes out every other month for people who love the Valley. And when I got to the point where people, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 I'm familiar. That felt good that mm. they knew who we were and had a feeling that we were a positive professional publication. That felt good. But probably one of the moments that I felt it for sure, like we are actually on the map, is when we I did a cover story that um, not all readers enjoyed. And so we got some negative feedback. Really? Yes. And so emails and phone calls. And I'm like, wow, people... <laughs> People read this. <laughs> so, know? Can, so can we ask what that one was, or is it too painful? Um, so it was on, it was on one of the new skin founders, um, Nedra Roney, mm. and she. I did a lot for that story. I went to Guatemala and saw her school and her foundation, and and um, anyway, worked on that a lot. But she, you know, there were there were some people who who. Um, didn't and it, they they thought the article was too positive, which I'll I'll take that criticism any day. Yeah, you were overly positive about somebody. Yeah, yeah, that's one you're willing to take, right? But it's kind of nice when when you get feedback sometimes because uh-huh. you just go, wow! Not only are they listening, but they're passionate enough right. that it bothers them. Uh huh. And they read to the end of the article and <laughs> they have an opinion. So I've told people lots of times through the years, there's no bad publicity. You know, there it's all good. But I had to experience that myself and go, okay, this is all good. 
people have read the magazine. So there was that moment that I can actually see the blessings in that. Like, even though at the time, you know, I, I don't like making people unhappy. I no, want everyone happy. Yeah, of course. You know? Yeah. Um, and so there were some lessons there. Yeah. And so the, the magazine takes off. It's going mm-hmm. crazy. Mm-hmm. At some point, Business Q. Yes. So that actually in. happened pretty, pretty quick. And our second title that we started was Utah Valley Bride. So Business Q oh, was I didn't third. I realize that. Yeah. So Utah Valley Bride, we started two years later after Utah Valley Magazine. And it's because we started to see that that, that needed its own audience, right? So Utah Valley Magazine, those are homeowners, those are parents, those are people in their 30s, 40s, 50s, generally. Yeah. And brides, they're young women in their early 20s and their moms. And that's a different audience. Those are different advertisers. And so we created that venue for that audience. And that's been super fun. I'm always amazed. And that's still going now. Yes. In fact, right at this moment, we're doing our dress shoot for this next edition. Yeah. It's a big deal. We had Barbie Berg uh, on the podcast to the, she calls herself a dress redesigner, a wedding dress Uh redesigner. And she's hilarious. But she kind of let me in. That was my first real view in on the wedding world that I knew nothing about at all. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, holy cow. Because to me, I would think, well, why would you have a magazine? Because it would only apply to a six-month window. But there are people obsessed with weddings. Oh, oh yeah. This is our biggest Instagram account. We have over 80,000 followers. And it's not just Utah. LA is our third biggest market that follows the magazine. No kidding. So Utah is really being seen <laughs> as a leader in creativity and yeah. You know the whole Pinterest world and everything, and so that it's a whole it's a whole world, and yeah. people are really really obsessed with it. And it's not just engaged girls who follow our account and want to see our magazine. Yeah, it's people who've gotten married and now want to see what the trends are. And the the industry it's has amazing. its tentacles, you know, throughout. If you walk so. through our backyard and keep walking through the field right there, you end up in a place called Wadley Farms, mm-hmm. which is has become one of the premier, it's gorgeous. if not the premier venue uh-huh. for wedding receptions. Yep. It's kind of nice during summer when we have uh, kids in the ward who get married and have us. We'll be there tonight for yeah. a reception. Uh-huh. But we, we, we literally walk across our yard to That's there. That's so great. Uh, my, my sons have worked there. Yeah, we featured it's, a lot of weddings in Wadley Farms. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. But when I see the production of it, I go, holy cow, how does anybody afford to get married? Well, now? I know. And when I got married, I had it in the church gym and yeah. I had really low desires for it. I just wanted to get married. You know, I didn't care about the napkins or any of that. I'm really glad I hadn't worked on the magazine at that point because now I know too much. Yeah. So is that going to affect how your daughters? <laughs> Probably, yes. Probably. Because, <laughs> yeah. Because I know all the details that can go into yeah, something. You know all the people and all that. Yeah. That's going to be tricky. I don't have any married yet or anything, yeah. but that'll be happening, I'm sure, in the next we, few we years. We did backyard of some wonderful friends of ours. We had a beautiful pool, and then we did a backyard mm. of my in-laws. Oh, that was nice. it. That's my nice. wife rented her wedding dress, and you know, we... Gosh, we did. See, I bought mine, but then I sold it because I needed to pay tuition for my master's degree. (laughs) And I'm looking at this dress going, this is worth a few hundred bucks. This could get me my tuition. But now, man, it's a whole thing. So you've still got that going. So we got and then and then then Business Q came after that. Yeah. So tell us the focus of Business Q, because this is a a magazine that I have a particular affinity for. Yes. And people often ask which one's my favorite to work on, and it is Business Q. Business Q is great. 
It's a great, great magazine. And um, so the Q stands for quarterly. It comes out four times a year, and we focus on the Utah County business world. And the thing that I love about it is entrepreneurs have vision. They're positive. They Mm -hmm. think anything's possible. Those are the kind of people I like to interview. Right. And then I've learned so much for my own business life from them because they'll tell me how they deal with employee issues or funding or um, growth or is it good to grow really wide or to stay in your in your one niche your one vertical so these are the kind of things that I've loved learning and uh, and so it's taken on a life of its own too so we do 40 under 40 where we feature yeah 40 entrepreneurs which is always a big big deal it you know I I think it is. And then I'll hear people lament that they turned 40 and weren't featured. And like, that was a big tragedy of their life. And I'm like, I'm glad that we, I'm glad that we matter that much, yeah, but, but maybe we shouldn't. But you can get over that. <laughs> I think we can get over yeah. that. And they're like, can you do 50 over 50 or whatever? Um, <laughs> so. the, the 90 under 90. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's been fun. And then one of our, our big issues of the year, we do a UV 50 issue. Yeah. It's an issue of business Q where we name the top 50 businesses. Right. In the county. And so is I... It, is it hard to compile that data? I've always wondered about that. Well, um, it's time consuming, but we have we have formulas and things. So the fastest growing element of that, it's math. So we look at their three-year growth percentage and then yeah. math ranks them. They do have to be willing to publish their numbers, which not everyone is. Yep. But we're journalists. Like, we want data. We want it to be real. Sure. And then we name 10 startups to watch. That is subjective, but we have an editorial board that helps us identify those. And then what makes us feel really good is when we name a startup to watch and then over the coming years, they're on the the fastest growing list. Like we got it right. You know, <laughs> you've had a couple of startups to watch that have been flat out unicorns that have just, I mean, mm-hmm. blown the doors out, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. It's been fun to watch. It's been, yeah, it's been really fun. Why, why does Utah Valley have such an amazing business climate? Like I've been asked that mm-hmm. um, and I've had a few startups here. I don't know the answer. I really don't know. Do you? I mean, you well, must get asked this all the we, time. We do. I think it's some of it comes from our pioneer heritage where we like, yeah. we think anything's possible. We think n- nothing's too hard. Like we're not afraid of hard work. Yeah. That's a good point. And, um, well, unlike you, you're just willing to take that shot. Yeah. I mean, there's something to that. And I also think, I think frugality is a really important and sometimes underrated trait mm. in entrepreneurs. I like that. Because, you know, your the money's not going to turn quickly in most cases. So you got to really operate on a dime and figure it out. And I think that goes back to our pioneer heritage too. Yeah. Use it up, do without, whatever that Make quote is. Yeah, 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 yeah. You got it. Yeah. Uh, so I also I think, think it's family, it. right? Yeah. Like I, so when we started our businesses, like the one that Jason and I started, we started out of our garage, literally. I love it. We both refinanced our houses before we left our job. Like it was, when I say bootstrap, Mm -hmm. I have no words. I got funny, (laughs) funny stories from back then. But, Mm -hmm. um, but I always knew that our families would support us to the extent necessary. Mm -hmm. Not that I'm going to go to them for money necessarily, but that I had a a social structure. Mm -hmm. In fact, one of my favorite moments, since this is a Latter-day Saint focused uh, the first year, no one in the ward really knew what we were doing. And the first year, I uh, we we took home $6,000. So I had paid $600 in tithing and went to the tithing settlement. And our bishop said, are you a full tithe payer looking at this number? Uh-huh. And I said, yes. And he said, how can the ward help you? <laughs> <laughs> I love and I said, it. no, we planned for this. Yeah. It's okay. And things oh. took off from there. But... Hmm. But uh, it is a it is an amazing place. Utah really Valley is. is an incredible place. Oh, I wouldn't trade this community for any other. If I None, if someone right? said I'll, you can have your publishing company anywhere, I'd say I don't 
I don't want anywhere else. What do you I want, want here. listeners outside of Utah Valley to know about Utah Valley, your Utah Valley? Mm, this is a place of passionate, visionary people mm, and uh, very creative people. And so keep your eye on, on us, you know, yeah. we're doing big things. I also think part of our fabric is so early on word perfect, which we talked about the Ashton's a little bit ago. Yeah. So they started this company and a lot of people have their roots in that they right. worked at word perfect yeah. or word perfect magazine. You know, I, I sure. run into a lot of people that were at the magazine specifically. Right. And then that grew, there was like a Camelot era of that happening and then it got sold. And I think there's some of it like, I want to do that. You know, I want to grow yeah. a company. It's possible. I've seen it. It can happen. It can happen yeah. to me. And and there have been multiple other examples of that oh, since cool. then. Well, you and know. you're an example of all this. Oh, Let me ask you this, and maybe there's the answer is there wasn't one, but if I'm a listener and I'm listening to this, I'm going, wow, you know, start out with the newsletter, it took off. Start out with Utah Valley Magazine, it took off. Business Q has taken off. The bridal thing has taken off. It's all, it's all gone great. Sounds to me like uh, Jeanette has never had a trial with any of these <laughs> businesses. Have you mm. done something that has really not worked that you thought was going to? We've started and stopped a few things that just haven't worked. We yeah. we wanted to start a BYU sports magazine. That never got off the ground. Mm. Um, we started a second. So the newsletter I described that we started was called Scholastic News Service. We started a second one called Yearbook Builder. That one didn't work. We quit that after two years. We started one called Main Street Magazine, which mm. was, we call our Utah Valley Magazine kind of the Nordstrom option of advertising, you know, <laughs> where, and like mailers that you get in the mail would be maybe the Walmart option. We yeah. wanted to create a target, meaning mm, middle. Yeah, kind of a, yeah. Yeah. And uh, that was our Main Street. And we did that for a few years and had zones all over the county and it expanded into Idaho. We stopped that. So we have definitely had things yeah. where we've been like, we're going to try this. And it's painful. When we, in fact, I remember the day that we decided to give up on the BYU Sports Magazine. It was over a lunch at Wendy's on Orm Center <laughs> Street. And I was so sad because logically we had to stop. And emotionally, I was sad. And I don't like failure. Yeah. And I still had love for the project. And I cried all the way home from that lunch meeting because I'm like, this is so sad. <laughs> This should work. And there's even part, as I'm telling that story, there's even part of me that's like, it maybe could have worked. Wait, 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 maybe we should try it again. <laughs> try it again. Let's bring it back. I know that feeling. Yeah. I, I feel I feel what you're saying. And so people don't see those things. They but maybe just see the things. It's important for people to hear things. it. It is, for sure. So they don't go, wow, there's just everything they touch turns to gold. It's no. a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. You know, you it is. In. It really is. And, you know, and then we've done a lot of custom publishing for companies and, and some of those projects have gone well, and some of them have been a heartache and yeah. haven't gone paid for them. Or you know, there's definitely been hard things. Probably the hardest thing, though, um, has just been the balance between family sure. and business. Those other things, those are dollar amounts, and those are just projects. But you know, balancing the family and and work that's been the biggest challenge, sure. I would say, because we had two kids when we started the magazine, and I've added three more. Yeah. Including I have a caboose baby. She's in first grade. I have two wow. in college, two in junior high and a first grader. And that's so a spread. It's a spread and yeah. it's super fun, but that's that's the challenge of trying to right. trying to grow a business and give it its attention and grow a family and give it the attention that it needs. That's And is your part. husband full-time in the business also? Yes, although our roles have evolved over over the years. He right now we we've started a products division um mm. called Bennett Brands and um 
we primarily make LDS products, mission, yeah. mission related right now and other things anyway. And so he's been focused on that. Sure. Yeah. So anyway. It's awesome to hear, you know, the way that you've taken this in stride and to acknowledge that this wasn't easy on the family. Mm-hmm. This wasn't easy on you. I'm sure there were some nights with the marriage where you're all working together that you're like, <laughs> I'm going to be in the other room watching TV. I need a oh, break. It's I not, mean, yeah. But there must be, then to sit back and you look at what you've built, it's just got to be so rewarding too. You know, there have been, there have definitely been moments where I'm, I'm like, I'm going to pat myself on the back, but there have been, that's few, honestly. Yeah. Like when we hit our 10 year anniversary from Utah Valley Mag, for Utah Valley Magazine, we threw a little party and people sent flowers and cards and, and I was like, wow, people say really nice things yeah. and they're grateful. And that felt good. You know, every once in a while I have that feeling of we've done some, some good. We've made some people happy and we've helped yeah. grow businesses. That's what I love too, is when people will tell me like they've used it to help recruit people to their business. And it's How been, awesome. you know, I love, love, of love, course. love that so much. Yeah. As things have moved now into this crazy digital age mm-hmm. that we are, you guys have continued to evolve. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about Utah Valley 360. Okay. So, um, in the beginning, all our different magazines had their own websites. So Utah Valley Magazine, Business Cube, Bride, and Bennett Communications. And anyway, and we just thought we need one, one brand. It's hard when I go to speak somewhere and then they're like, what do you want us to put on your lanyard? It's like, well, am I Business Q? Am I Utah Valley? And so we we created Utah Valley 360 as an umbrella for all of that, um, for all that magazine content to fit under that and then also original content. And uh, it's been it's been interesting, and it's been a, a good marriage, I would say, between digital and print. There's things I love about each. Yeah. So with digital, you can see who's looking at it at any given moment. I love that, and I hate that. You know, <laughs> um, I real time feedback. Yeah, and as the the journalist in me was sad the first few years as we were looking at the analytics and the things that I wanted readers to really care about, they weren't, or like yeah. the the really good journalism right. wasn't getting shared as much as like a silly little this happened on Twitter today. And then it goes crazy, you know? Yeah. And the journalist in me was like, don't they value quality? I mean, this had five <laughs> sources and nobody shared it, you know? Um, so that's the part of the analytics that were frustrating to me at time, yeah. or, or at times. Um, we still print and we plan to do that for forever. Um, it's one of the things that makes us different. Yeah. Anyone can start an Instagram account. You can do it in seconds. Absolutely. Um, we have all that, but we also have a print product. Everyone wants to be featured. We One of the things that takes a lot of my time these days is sorting through voicemails and emails of people that have story ideas that want to be featured. Everyone knows the power of print. Oh my gosh. So, so I'm not a big newspaper guy, but mm-hmm. I am magazine. Mm-hmm. I like the feel of a glossy magazine yeah. and you turn the mm-hmm. page and you just mm-hmm. you feel it in your fingers. And, and I'll tell you something that I, I've never... I've never divulged this because it's it's a little bit embarrassing, but oh, something I do good. with Utah Valley Magazine and with Business Q, <laughs> yeah. I flip through every episode until I find somebody or every issue until mm-hmm. I find someone I know. Hmm. It's this thing that I have to do. And if I get mm-hmm. to the end and I didn't know anybody in it, I'm a little bit bummed. Then Ooh. I start reading it. Okay. But that's what I do every time I get Business Q and every time I get Utah Valley because, huh. like I said, we have a lot of mutual friends uh-huh. and Utah Valley is a big small place, That's a good you way know, to put it. and so, uh, you know, bump in and go, oh, good, this person's featured, and then I'll read their article first, mm, and I love it's that. kind of fun. I love what you've built, and I love your message, and I love how open you are, and you are a speaker as well. I mean, we could, we could spend an hour talking about all the different things that you do on top of all this. You are a personality as well. I mean, people know you, you're a requested speaker, and you do all these big things. 
One of the things that I love is that you have found this balance between your religion, your family, your business, and what some of the feedback I get when I travel, mm-hmm. some of the misconceptions is, oh, you're a member of the church, you know, and then we'll be talking and I'll say, well, you know, my wife, my wife right now is working on her doctorate. I'll mention that and they'll go, oh, your wife went to school. Mm-hmm. And the perception is this, well, you know, she changes out of her pioneer clothes after <laughs> sweeping the dirt floor. And, yeah, And, and exactly. I, unfortunately, mm-hmm. I think that there are some... There are some young women who feel like they have to choose between mm-hmm. being a member of the church or being a modern, productive woman. Mm-hmm. And you seem to balance that really well. It sounds like you question yourself a lot on that and maybe don't get Well, it it's right just something I think time. about a lot. It's important. Yeah. But, but now, what you just described, I think, is real. And I went through it myself. You know, when I had my oldest, I'm like, I've got to figure this out because I want to be, I had a stay at home mom that raised me and my aunts were stay at home moms and sure. most of my friends' moms were. And yet I worked really hard on my education and I like what I do and don't want to give that up. And so I tried to figure it out and have figured out a balance for me. It's not the right balance for everybody, yeah. but, um, it is such a great time to be a woman. I mean, oh, it gosh, really, yes. really is. And an LDS woman in particular, it's an incredible time. And one of the things that I love about it is, yes, I mean, women have to make a lot of decisions. I think I think for Latter-day Saint men, it's more expected that they go on a mission. Sure. For girls, it's like, pray about it. You know, yeah. it's more expected for a man to provide. And for women, sometimes they have the option. Yeah. Not always, sure. you know. And so the thing that's awesome about that is that it keeps us close to close to our heavenly father, because we're always trying to figure it out. Yeah. We're like, what, okay, what can this chapter entail? Right. Is this, I, I would like to get my PhD. That's actually on my bucket list too. I yeah. have a master's, but I'd love to get a PhD. The time hasn't been right for me yet, but that keeps me praying about it. And yeah. I, and so I love that. It keep and it keeps life exciting. And I think know? there's something to be said for people and seasons. Like you said, this was the right path for you. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody has their own path. There are there are women who should be stay at home moms. Their children right. have needs, mm-hmm. and and they have the means or whatever. But then there are also seasons. You know, and there's a yeah, time. For sure. Sometimes there's a time. I look forward. I always give my wife a hard time that once the kids are grown and gone, I am done. I'm done. I'm going to be stay at home <laughs> by myself, guy. Sweet. And she can just do nothing but work. But I, no, I really mm-hmm. do think that there's a time for seasons. But Absolutely. I think you're a fantastic role model of positivity. Mm-hmm. And of you can figure this out, mm-hmm. and there is a blend, and that's what Heavenly Father wants for us. I think oh, He I wants us absolutely. Believe and I look that. at the opportunities you've created for so mm-hmm. many; it's just awesome. We're thanks. It's impressive. Thank you. One of the phrases that I don't like that we say sometimes is we'll say, "Young women should get an education just in case," and I don't like that phrase at all. Oh my gosh, no! Be- get an education because you're smart. <laughs> and because it will make you happier and because you're a divine daughter of yeah. God who is the most intelligent creator of all. Yeah. And so why would you not like develop your talents, mm. you know? Don't do it and then hope you never have to be smart and yeah. never have to use it. Do it because you can and you you should. Right. <laughs> you know, and there's a different path for everybody. And I never want women to feel like I think if they don't choose a career that I look down on them. Not That's at not all. the no. case at all. Not at all. That's not. But at it's all important the case. that we that we that we. I I think the reverse is important too. That we don't. 
that we don't, as a church, look down on women who have figured out the career and the family and the mm-hmm. everything else. Mm-hmm. And I, I hope it's changing. I believe it's changing. I think we're in the most exciting time to be a, a woman in the church. I absolutely agree. I mean, it's just uh, the, the doors that are open and mm-hmm. the perception is just awesome. Yeah, even in our lifetime. Yeah. You know, there have been so many great uh, opportunities for young women. The mission age change was just culture changing. Massive. Massive yeah. for our yeah. young women who come home with leadership and testimony mm-hmm. and all of that. Yeah, That's for awesome. Sure. We're about at time. Uh, we're going to, and this has been so awesome. Thank you so much. Oh, thank uh, you. We are going to wrap up with the question that we ask all of our guests. It's my favorite part of every conversation. And that question is, uh, Jeanette Bennett, what does being a member of the church mean to you? Mm. Oh, that's a big answer. Um, I have a testimony of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It's based, the foundation for it for me is the Book of Mormon. That book has answered so many questions for me, including about having children and about my career. And it's because I feel the Spirit and I can feel the guidance of Mm. above when I read it. And so it's a true book. And then from there, everything builds on that for me, you know, that we have living prophets and, and that we have a God who listens to us and that we have a savior who atoned for us. All those things for me come from that, from that book of Mormon. But that, that is where I feel God's love for me and I feel the guidance and at times that can feel like, like just yesterday in our family scripture reading, we read Mormon chapter two, and he's leading this army and they're not righteous. And so they don't have the strength of mm-hmm. God on their side. And when I read that, I thought, I've been that person at times when I do things without his help mm-hmm. and you're not as strong. And it was just another wake up call to me. Like, you know, I need God and I, so much of the success, if I can air quote success that we've had is because I feel like Heavenly Father has wanted us to and has guided us and we've been, tried to be faithful to what he's asked us to do. And so he has helped us in that way. And so being a member of this, this church and this gospel is so guiding, so grounding and so uniting. Mm. You know, for for me with my family and me with the fellow saints, you know, we're we're all trying to to learn and grow. You know, faith transition is a phrase right now. We're all we all should be in a faith transition. We all should be growing our faith. <laughs> you, know. you know, it's we're never done. Where it's not like oh check, got a testimony done. Right. You know, it's a it's a church of growth, and I love that it gives us opportunities to grow and to serve. So it's awesome. What an awesome answer, uh, mother wife, publishing icon, and true standard bearer for Utah Valley. Thank you so much, Jeanette, for coming on and sharing your Latter-day life with us. We appreciate it. Thanks. And my thanks to Jeanette Bennett for coming on and taking the time. Go check out her magazines, even if you do not live in Utah or Utah County. It is so well worth it. You'll meet so many incredible people. It's a very special place. Uh, I am privileged to live and so grateful Jeanette highlights all of that for us. Uh, This week in my Latter-day life, uh, it's funny, a dear friend of mine from high school, Craig, reached out to me and Craig, hello, thank you for your support and sent me just the nicest letter. By the way, I love hearing from our listeners, but especially for an old friend like Craig and And he mentioned, and he's the second one in the last two weeks to mention my gas station stories. I've had a few of them. And I'm to the point where I'm almost nervous to pull into a gas station because what's going to happen next? 
and unbelievable to me. This week, I had another gas station miracle and something else to share as I'm on the road. I travel a lot for my job, and it's a blessing. I love seeing the country. As I mentioned earlier, I'm in Boston right now. Earlier this week, uh, or last week, I was in uh, Baltimore. I was in, uh, where else? I was in Baltimore, Philadelphia, kind of all over. And uh, I pulled into a gas station as soon as I landed in Baltimore and pulled in. It was evening time. It was cold out. And as I went to walk in, there was a, a guy came up and approached me. He was an older guy. And he immediately started talking to me. That's a beautiful car. What kind is it? I was like, it's just a rental car. I, I was so in no mood to have a conversation with someone. But he said, listen, man, he said, I just would love a sandwich. And the service station I pulled into, it's something awesome they have on the East Coast called Wawa. Wawa stations are uh, just really, they're nice gas stations, but inside they build custom sandwiches. They have touchscreen ordering. You can order hot dogs or sandwiches or whatever. But the guy said, man, I'm starving and, and I just have no food. Would you mind buying me a sandwich? If, if you could just buy me a sandwich, I'd appreciate it. And I just went, here I go again. It's like when I walk into a gas station, I somehow have a target on me. But I had prayed that morning that I'd be able to serve someone as I try to do every day. And uh, I said, yes, yes, I will buy you a sandwich happily. And so I walked in with him and I was a little bit self-conscious because he looked homeless. And I was afraid of what will people think is that will they be looking at me going why are you bringing a homeless guy into our gas station but I walked in and said look man you order whatever you want and he ordered a sandwich and he was so excited as we're going through all the options you know and he's adding his toppings and whatnot and then we finished and uh, I bought him a drink too went up and I paid for it I wanted to get all this done before I grabbed a bottle of water and, and some of my own stuff. And so in any case, paid for it. And I looked back and while I was paying for it, I saw him talking to a man and he asked the man what kind of sandwich he was getting. And the man told him, and was kind of looking at him funny. And the man had a little girl with him. And here my homeless friend was saying to the little girl, are you getting a sandwich? Is everybody getting sandwiches? Do you like hot sandwiches or cold sandwiches? And then he started talking about Christmas, and suddenly there was kind of a group as they were all waiting on their sandwiches, and this guy was just the ringleader. I was in no mood to talk to anybody, but he started asking people what their favorite thing was about Christmas, and he asked this little girl what she was looking forward to with Christmas, and, and he was so excited and so happy, and he told the lady how much he loved her shoes. And she said, oh, thank you. And she started telling him where she had gotten these shoes. And this man just went around person to person, making everyone feel so comfortable. But what happened was suddenly I was the outsider. I went back after I finished paying and the guy came up to me and said, thank you again and Merry Christmas. And he pointed at me. He said, this is the guy who bought me the sandwich. And everybody just loved this guy. And it's kind of funny because we talk about light the world. We talk about this time of Christmas. We talk about uh, serving the way the Savior would. And while it was nice that I bought the sandwich and I spent 7 or $8 on this guy, what was much more important was he brightened up the worlds of everybody in there, which was something I was unwilling to do because I was just not in the mood after sitting on a plane for four hours. But I was so blessed that I got to see him in action. It just made me smile. I wish I had recorded it because he's the happiest guy on earth. 
And they called his number and he took his sandwich and he said goodbye to everybody. He thanked me again and he walked out. And everybody looked down, looked back at their phones, went back about their business, whatever they were doing. He was the one who lit the world there, not me. (laughs) I bought a sandwich, big deal. But he made sure that everybody there felt a little bit of sunshine and a little bit of love. Like I said, I almost get nervous to go into gas stations anymore when I'm on the road. Maybe it's a, a real blessing because that's where my ministry seems to take me. But what a blessing that he showed me how we truly light the world. And it's not through just giving people money or just giving people a little bit of service. It's about making people's lives better and making people smile. And I'm grateful for him, and I'm grateful for that example. And that's what's happening this week in my latter-day life. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week, and thank you to all of you who listened last week to our special episode, Light the World, with all of the Latter-day Saint podcasters. How fun that was to have everybody together. Uh, If you want to reach me, I can be reached Sean at LatterdayLives.com. That's S-H-A-W-N at LatterdayLives.com, especially if you have a great idea for a guest, someone you want to introduce me to, someone you think uh, would make a great interview, maybe even yourself please reach out. Again, that's Sean, S-H-A-W-N, at LatterdayLives.com. We're also on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all of that stuff. And our YouTube channel is up the last 10 or 12 episodes. We have a video up on YouTube. So until next week, where we've got one more fantastic episode for the year, please remember, as always, there is a great, big, beautiful world out there. So go be in it, just not of it. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>